Hello, and welcome back to It's a Very Exciting Time, a podcast by a UFO nerd and his tolerant friend. My name is Scott, and I've been fascinated by the phenomenon my whole life. My name is Chuck. I'm an aerospace nerd and a tolerant friend. We started this podcast because since 2017, there have been shocking revelations from news of secret Pentagon programs to confirmed Navy videos of astonishing craft. In a nutshell, now that the government has admitted that UFOs are real. Or at least they will in 2024 if Lou Elizondo has anything to say about it. It raises a natural question. If UFOs are real, what else? Suddenly, some of these other parts of the phenomenon that seemed unlikely are pulled into the realm of the possible. And they may still be unlikely. But even if it's new science and not, in fact, aliens... Woo! It's a very exciting time. Uh, and quick reminder before we get into it, uh, you can find all the show notes at veryexcitingtime.com, mm -hmm. or you can support us by going to patreon.com slash veryexcitingtime. All right, Chuck. It's that most anticipated time of the year. The, the hottest release of the year. We've yeah. been waiting Is it all year for this. Is it time for pumpkin spice? Oh, close. No. It is the the most anticipated release from the head of the Pentagon's All Domain Anomaly Resolution Office, Dr. Sean Kirkpatrick. We finally got the fiscal year 2023 consolidated annual report on unidentified anomalous phenomenon. Burr, 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 burr. Ooh, hottest drop of the year. I love it. <laughs> All right, this is going to be great. I have not read the report yet, so... Uh, let me just quiz you on some of the, the big hitters of the last year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, go for it. D how much does it talk, like, it's got to go into this. How much does it talk about David Grush? Not even a little bit. <laughs> oh, okay, cool. All right, uh, starting <laughs> strong. Um, what about uh, Brichette Luna Gates um, going to Elgin Air Force Base and getting stonewalled uh, and Gates saying he saw a video of a UFO that wasn't made by aliens? That's mm -hmm. got to be in the report, sure. right? You'd think, yeah, but no. <laughs> but okay, so, um, what? Yeah, what's happening here? Why? How could those not be in the report? <laughs> All right. So, best guess, uh, David Grush came out in June, and Matt Gates talked about the Elgin trip at the UAP hearing in July, and the report only covers through April. Ugh. All right. All right. <laughs> I am audience. You can't see this because I express it visually, but I am expressing deep confusion and dismay right now. He's rolling his eyes and shrugging. He yeah. looks physically pained. Physically. Yes. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, for real. I, like, someone on Twitter said it feels like this report was written in a timeline where the UFO hearing and David Grush going public just didn't happen. Like, yeah. This report feels like exactly what you would expect after reading last year's report before all this other stuff happened. Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah, sure. Yeah. Did totally reasonable updates on everything. But like all this stuff is happening. It just like doesn't address any of it. Yeah. That's uh, <laughs> very convenient. So what does it cover then? Okay. So before I answer that, Chuck, <laughs> I, I don't know about you. I wasn't the best student Ooh. in high school. You know, I was an art major. Uh-huh. Um, what were your favorite tactics for like 
padding out a term paper that had to have a certain page count in order to pass. Oh, yeah. Like big graphics, page breaks, you mm-hmm. know, the, like the double sure, space sure. thing, uh, margins mm-hmm. and shit. Um, yeah. 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 You mentioned page breaks. That was my favorite one. Cause like you could get it so that like a section had like a few sentences mm-hmm, on mm-hmm. the next page and then you'd hit a page break before the next section. Yeah. It's perfect. It's all technically valid, but there's like basically an empty page in the middle yeah. of your document. Or <laughs> I also love the, this page intentionally left blank. That's a good one too. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they basically did all of those, okay, man. Great. Um, <laughs> it, <laughs> it was wild. So this report, uh, it covers 291 UAP reports received mm. between September, 2022 and April 2023. Now you might be wondering why April? That's not a year. That's not a year. And I have no idea. They don't okay. address that or explain it at all. If they stopped looking at stuff in April, why did it take them until October to release the report now? It might oh. have something to do with not having to talk about David Grush right. and um Elgin Air Force Base. Or it might be some totally other bogus reason. I have no idea. Yeah. It does not say. It just randomly says this covers through April and it's coming out on October. Okay. Okay. Interesting. I guess it, 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 that meme of the guy like throwing up his hands, like, I guess. <laughs> like, um, it is 15 pages long, 15 glorious pages wow. of which seven contain actual content (laughs) Um, and one of those seven pages is the executive summary of the other six pages Uh, okay yeah (laughs) uh two pages in the report are graphs one of those graphs is a half-paged pie chart labeled reported lights with only two segments (laughs) lights 21%, 21%, no lights, 79%. It is completely pointless. Wow. Like, oh God, it's aggravating. I mean, unless um, the point is to take up space, in which case it is killing it. Well, yeah. <laughs> it includes only one sample UAP report, which of course you can guess they were able to debunk of as course. commercial air traffic. Yeah. Like, oh my God. Kelly Chase uh, of the UFO Rabbit Hole podcast uh, said, this whole report is like the Hail Mary paper that you write in high school the night before it's due when you didn't actually do the assignment, but you're hoping if you put enough BS word salad down on the page, you'll somehow eke out the C minus you need to pass. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, like my my teacher brain is has my red pen out. And I'm writing unacceptable effort, Sean. See me after class. Sean. Sean. Yeah. If I was really pissed, I'd call him as, oh, we need to find out his middle name. We can like really. (laughs) John Randolph Kirkpatrick. Oh my God. Randolph. Who has a name like that? John Tiberius Kirkpatrick. Ooh, Tiberius Kirkpatrick. That's perfect. Yeah. Well, it's just because that's James T. Kirk's I know, middle that's name. Why so I was my brain automatically that's Tiberius is the word that comes before Kirk. What do you want? Yeah. <laughs> now I have to look it up. Wait, what are you looking up? His middle name, it's an M. 
Sean <laughs> Michael. Sean Michael Kirkpatrick. Sean Michael Kirkpatrick. This report is absolutely unacceptable. Come see me after class. I know your mother, and she would she would be disappointed to see. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not great, buddy. Yeah. This report, it's not great. So, is there anything positive about it? Like, is there anything of redeeming value? I mean, I guess if we compare it to the NASA report that just came out, yeah, which um, is a good comparison. Then. The NASA report, the PDF was a 404 okay. when I tried to download it. Arrow <laughs> did actually get a functional PDF okay. up on their website. So I guess, you know, like There's that's, that. that's one point in, in Arrow's favor <laughs> <Shit>. over NASA. <laughs> really is like the, the C minus, isn't it? All right. It's so bad. Well, uh, yeah. Does it say anything? I don't know. What's it actually say? Yeah. Let's, no, let's really I mean, dig into it, it instead of just sassing them. Yeah, there is some stuff in there. It's just not great. Um, mm. And if you've heard us talk about the previous Arrow reports, I mean, it's yeah, the, about same the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> they There are a few worthwhile details. So I've got some quotes here we'll talk about real fast. Um, okay. So one of them, he's talking about um, where they're getting information. So as we know, in the last year, they've been able to start getting reports from the FAA, including... Uh, in addition to the military reports they were already okay. getting. So in previous years, when they did the military reports, they'd put up a little hotspot graph of the globe and be like, hey, here's where we're seeing them. And mm. surprise, surprise, it is also a hotspot graph of where there are U.S. Right. military bases. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, and, and he acknowledged that. He's like, this is a collection bias problem. Um, so this report says, most UAP reports still reflect a bias towards restricted military airspace, a result of reporting from military personnel and sensors present in such areas. This bias has been lessened by reporting from commercial pilots, showing a more diverse geographical distribution of UAP sightings across the U.S. However, these reports mostly cover observations over U.S. airspace and littoral waters, I don't know what the word littoral Fancy. means. Do you? Sounds sexy. <laughs> I think I think I might have just killed Scott. <laughs> oh man, I started choking. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know what littoral means, but um, these reports mostly cover observations over U.S. airspace and littoral waters, and therefore, as these reports continue to come in, a U.S.-centric collection bias will grow significantly relative to the rest of the world. Um, related to or situated on the shore of a sea or a lake. That's littoral. So U.S. airspace and littoral waters aren't waters yeah. by definition related to <laughs> That's water? That's a really good like, point. I suppose there are other, other <laughs> waters. Anyways, okay. Okay. Moving along, um, <laughs> since <laughs> clearly we're not qualified to ask these types of hard-hitting questions. Um, <laughs> so, so here's my real question. Um, so the FAA, like, track, like, U.S. planes fly all over the world, uh -huh, uh -huh. and yet it's saying that there's still a U.S.-centric collection bias. I'm confused by that. I don't understand that at all, to be perfectly honest with you. I would have expected hmm. that adding yeah. FAA data would 
help yeah. address the U.S. bias, but he is pointedly saying it will make it worse. I can only assume it's because the FAA is a U.S.-based organization, yeah. so although flights go all over the world, they tend to start and end in the U.S., so there's still going yeah. to be a bias towards the U.S., but, man, I don't know. Yeah, or maybe it's like, maybe they just can't uh, corroborate because they don't have radar outside the U.S. or something like that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, know. interesting. Um. Up next, um, we've got our mandated line acknowledging whether or not there are any health effects from UFOs. Okay. If you are unfamiliar right. with the background on this, this paragraph comes out of nowhere in the report. Mm -hmm. It sounds so weird. Excuse me. Um, but knowing the background on it, like Congress straight up said, in your report, you must tell us whether there are any health effects. So right. Arrow has received no reports indicating UAP sightings have been associated with any adverse health effects. All right. Simple enough. All right. However, <clears throat> Ooh. many reports from military witnesses do present potential safety of flight concerns. And there are some cases where reported UAP have potentially exhibited one or more concerning performance characteristic, such as high speed travel or unusual maneuverability. I'm just going to say, I love that he kind of like snuck in the, uh, some of them are weird into the paragraph about mm -hmm. no health effects. What does that have to do with the health effects? I don't know, man. <laughs> Nothing. Yeah. So, so they don't make anyone sick, but they are a flight safety problem and some of them are real weird. Okay. I mean, yeah, it's a good basically. summary. That should have been, that should have been the executive summary. There's the executive summary right there. Give it to us, Sean. We'll, we'll, we'll condense this down to a tight two pages. <laughs> yeah. Right. We can do it. <laughs> um, speaking of flight safety, he goes on mm -hmm. and says, while the mere presence of UAP in the airspace represents a potential hazard to flight safety, None of these reports suggest the UAP maneuvered to an unsafe proximity to civil or military aircraft, positioned themselves in flight paths, or otherwise posed a direct threat to the flight safety of the observing aircraft. Huh. Um, so, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Lou Elizondo used to have an analogy about like hostile mm -hmm. or threatening. Um, what, what was that? Yeah, totally. He would talk about like, if you wandered onto an airfield and you got caught in the, the backwash from a jet engine, you mm -hmm. are absolutely under threat. That is a, a, a threatening place for you to be, but yeah. the jet engine isn't hostile to you. It has no malevolence. It's just right. dangerous. So yeah. he used that to try to explain, because a lot of people thought that Lou Elizondo and others were using the flight safety issue as a way to drum up like military intervention. These things are mm. dangerous and we need to go shoot them down. He's saying, no, we're, we're not saying they're dangerous. We're saying they're a threat. They are right. in the airspace. We're not tracking yeah. them. We don't know what they are. They don't identify themselves. It could be a problem. So Sean is kind of saying here the same kind of thing. It sounds to me. Yeah. I wish, I wish they would use the term like risk, uh, instead of threat. Like, mm -hmm. I think we acknowledge that, um, that like ducks are a risk to airplanes. <laughs> yes. But I, 
I would never feel threatened by a duck. A goose, maybe. Yeah. Geese are pretty. Oh, geese mean, are dicks. But, yeah. yeah. Um. So, weren't there reports about like? I don't remember who talked about it, but reports about um, mm-hmm. military jets being buzzed by UAP. That's a great. Maybe point. those happened after yeah. April. Um, <laughs> I think they happened before is the problem. So okay. we've got some more weasel words, right? He's talking about the new reports they received this year of those reports. Oh. There was no indication of that, but famously Ryan okay. Graves has reported yeah. that at his incident with uh, the Roosevelt, um, there were two planes flying and they had to go through a point in the air to enter the like uh, zone where they were doing this combat training. And there was a UAP stationed at directly at that point. And right. it was flying towards them and it went between their wings and came within 50 feet of each aircraft. So yeah, that incident is very much in the face of what Sean is saying here. So I assume that he is saying, of the reports this year, none of them did yeah. anything like that. Either that or uh, Sean Kirkpatrick shouldn't be uh, saying whether it was an unsafe proximity. Good point. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Moving on, he he had one single throwaway line tucked at the okay. end of another paragraph that I pulled out into its own statement because yeah. I think it's worth noting. Although none of these UAP reports have been positively, excuse me, although none of these UAP reports have been positively attributed to foreign activities, these cases continue to be investigated. Hmm. It seems like they're doing anything they can to avoid admitting that things are weird. Like, Mm -hmm. I love the, the idea of them saying, while we have no evidence that they're foreign, we will continue looking until we can make them foreign. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anything to avoid admitting that they might be alien because it's yeah. it's that old problem, right? Like, okay, if they're not ours and they're not theirs, yeah. Whose are they? <laughs> right. So he yeah. has to be very careful to avoid making a definitive statement like, well, they're definitely not ours or theirs. So he's saying like, well, we weren't able to positively attribute any of them to foreign nations, but maybe they still were. Yeah, maybe this unmarked silver sphere flying at an insane speed and doing 90 degree maneuvers on the side. I didn't see a made in China flag on it, but you know, you never know. We're still looking. Could, could be, could be. Yeah. No. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, Sean continues to pound the drum about data collection. Uh, he mm-hmm. says the continued volume and unidentified nature of most UAP is a direct consequence of gaps in domain awareness. These Ooh, gaps are the, yeah, <laughs> these gaps are the direct result of insufficient data secured by radar, electro electro-optical infrared sensors, the presence of sensor artifacts such as IR flare, the op- and optical effects such as parallax. Man, I am tripping over all this techno babble. This is like reading a Star Trek script. <laughs> yeah, we need to go back to the uh the vocal warm-ups we did before the before. <laughs> unique New York. <laughs> um uh optical effects such as parallax that can cause observational misperceptions. Ooh. They weren't wrong. Yeah. They just were perceived correctly. <laughs> 
based on the ability to resolve cases to date with an increase in the quality of data secured, the unidentified and purported anomalous nature of most UAP will likely resolve to ordinary phenomena and significantly reduce the amount of UAP case submissions. Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree. I'm sure that Project Galileo would love to sell them some high-quality sensors and get them <laughs> set up. They just need some monies. Yep, yeah. I I don't want to bang this drum too much because we talk about yeah. it every time it comes up, but I am I simultaneously agree with and am aggravated mm-hmm. by the insistence that the vast majority of UAP cases are explainable. On the one hand, I I agree. This is what we have yeah. been hearing for years from people who believe that this is extraterrestrial are still saying 80 to 90% of UAP cases are completely mundane. Yeah. But the problem is I don't care about the mundane ones. Yeah. I want you to look at the weird ones. Yes. I understand yeah. that you saw a balloon one time. I understand there was a paper bag floating around up there. That's fine get rid of those ones and talk about the ones that are left anyway. Um, yeah, I, I know you and I run into this all the time cause we both have to deal with like error reporting in our websites. Mm-hmm. And like, I also know that with a limit of time, like I'm just not going to pay any attention to the weird ones. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. It's just not affecting customers as much, but that's not what we're here to do. Well, it comes like, back to what is your job? Right. Like if your job is to ensure uptime on a website and that the vast majority of your users are having a good experience and your reporting has an an infinitesimal number of outliers and unusual ones, you do what you can to address them. But at some point you don't worry about it. That's why we don't talk about a hundred percent uptime. We talk about five nines. Right. right? Right. Um, But Sean is in the opposite This would be the equivalent of if you ran a department at New Relic that was devoted to exploring those outliers. And every year you put out a report saying the vast majority of the data we collect is not an outlier. Like, okay, yeah, good. Thanks. What did you do about the outliers though? That's what we're paying you to look at. Right. (laughs) It really, it makes me wonder if that is actually what they're being asked to do. Uh, or yeah. is their mandate to explain UAP phenomenon or UAP? It only took a year, but I got you banging the conspiracy theory drum. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh man. It's, uh, okay. it's bad. What? I wake up thinking this stuff now. <laughs> You've ruined I will me. admit you don't have to believe they're aliens to believe that the government is fucking shit up on a regular basis. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. So true. Um, okay, one last quote. Um, okay, yeah. Arrow's analytical efforts are confirming that only 2 to 4% of UAP reports display interesting signatures, such as high speed travel and unknown morphologies. The majority of unidentified objects reported to Arrow demonstrate ordinary characteristics of readily explainable sources, while a large number of cases in Arrow's holdings remain technically unresolved because of lack of data. Without sufficient data, these cases cannot be resolved. For the few objects that do demonstrate characteristics of interest, Arrow is approaching these cases with objectivity and analytical rigor. Now, 
I got some notes here about how we're going to react, but mm-hmm. we basically just did all of that because I got all head up. Yeah. <laughs> but I, yeah. here's what I want to say about this quote. Um, he's saying the same thing, right? Two to 4% of yeah. them are genuinely weird. He spends a moment complaining about a backlog of cases that he cannot resolve because right. of insufficient data. Fair game, right? I get that it's frustrating to be looking at, you know, the, the, the go fast and the gimbal video, and you don't have enough information to say for sure that it's mundane and you don't have enough information to say it's anything else. And it has to stay in that unidentified. What I wish is that he would stop complaining about this every time and focus on those ones that are weird. Okay. If you're going to make your report about only the new reports that came in, and you're saying two to 4% of them are weird. Talk about those ones. <laughs> yeah. Like let's get those declassified and released and then try and get more eyeballs on it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Agreed. Also, this is just a nit. This is like total journalistic pandering or whatever, but uh, I'm curious about how do they not know what percentage it is? <laughs> I feel like this, it's not a huge number. <laughs> yeah. Why isn't he saying 3%, you know, like right? why two to four? Uh, do you yeah, not I don't know? know? Like, <laughs> uh, I, I will, I will tip my hand here. He did not actually say two to 4% in the report. In oh, the report, okay. he said like an infinitesimally small percentage but in an interview mm. with CNN, he said two to 4%. <laughs> so okay. I, yeah. I considered that, but maybe he was speaking informally. I don't know. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Okay. As you can imagine, community reaction to this report, you know, that, that meme clip from that old TV show, Hercules of the actor mm. just yelling at sky, disappoint. Like <laughs> that, that's basically the community reaction. Uh, and there are yeah. a lot of really funny reactions that are too rude for me to repeat here, mm. <laughs> but yeah, okay. the community is, is not well pleased with this report. That said, okay. there were two particularly insightful, worthwhile reactions okay. that I did want to They share. usually are. Cool. So Americans for Safe Aerospace, which is Ryan Graves' nonprofit, Ryan Graves being okay. the yeah. Navy pilot who we saw testify at the UAP hearing. Um, tweeted, the American people do not trust the government to be honest about UAP, and this report will not help. We are concerned, right? We are concerned that the Pentagon acknowledges again this year that there continue to be UAP incidents that remain genuinely anomalous, are not ours, and have not been confirmed to be foreign either. We share the concern of Arrow's director that some may be adversarial and may be hiding in the noise. Now, mm. as a former combat pilot, of course, they're a little more focused on whether Russian yeah. jets are hiding in the UFO signatures and getting or Chinese as balloons. A result. Right, exactly. So it's a slightly different bet. They're a little less concerned with whether they're aliens and a little more yeah. concerned with whether genuine threats are hiding in this mm-hmm. like dismissible data set. Um, Arrow's newest report only raises more questions. Why is it acceptable 
for the U.S. government to allow objects in friendly airspace to go unidentified. Does Arrow have access to the data and sensors it needs to do its job? We believe it does not. Yes. Thank you. It's nice to hear someone just like bluntly skip the doublespeak and say, mm-hmm. why is this acceptable? Because it's exactly. not. Right. We, we spend so much time on this podcast having to do Kremlinology and like look right. at a, a relatively simple report from the inspector general saying we're not investigating David Grush and have to like right. tear it apart word by word to find out whether he actually means he is inve- like it's exhausting. Yeah. So it's kind it of is. nice to see someone come in and just be like, this is messed up, right? Like you're yeah. all seeing this. <laughs> right. Yeah. That, it's really refreshing. Um, and the other useful response was from our, uh, longest and oldest fan, uh, Chris <laughs> UFO daddy Mellon, former deputy assistant secretary of defense who posted a list of takeaways and questions on his Substack. Okay. Um, yeah. in fact, he created a new Substack like the day oh, after cool. the report came out, It's kind of yeah. cracked me up. Like I got some shit to say. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, I'm not going to get into the questions. They are interesting, but they are weirdly technical because I don't think they were actually designed for the public. I think they were designed for Congress and other investigators to kind of like point them in a right direction. Interesting. Um, So it's worth reading, but I'm not going to dive into the details here. Um, But a couple of his takeaways match two things that I do think are worth highlighting about the UAP report. So, If anybody is listening to this and somebody's going to ask you, oh, I heard the new UAP report dropped. What's interesting about it? Here are the two things that I think are worth saying about it. Perfect. First of all, Chris says the report mentions 274 new reports in the last eight months, suggesting a rate of over 30 reports per month and over 360 reports per year. Hmm. It feels really high for all of them to be balloons or commercial flights or swamp, swamp gas right? or yeah, Venus. Yeah, exactly. And, and I will say this. Um, I know that the reports are not solely from military pilots anymore, right? They're coming in from people on military bases. Mm. They're coming in from FAA. But especially when we are talking about pilots, it always feels really weird to me when they're like, oh, it's commercial aircraft. It's Venus. It's, it's a balloon. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, pilots, especially military pilots are people we train to accurately identify objects at speed, at distance in a jet, make Mm -hmm. split second decisions about whether to fire. Like the tone that they often take of being kind of dismissive, like, oh, these guys don't know what they're seeing. Like, yeah. okay, well, if that's the case, isn't that also a problem? Like, should we be talking yeah, about the fact right? that we have all these half blind pilots who can't identify a paper bag at 10,000 right. feet? Like, <laughs> that, I mean, that whatever. Seems the concerning. airplane does all the flying, anyways. <laughs> Yeah. But anyway, um, yes, uh, 30 reports so per month. That's, that's one, a big number that Sean kind of downplayed. <laughs> yeah. Like one report per day. Um, like I don't think my team could burn down that many new bugs mm-hmm. per day and our job yeah. is significantly easier. Uh, that, right. that says that like, they're going to have to start 
like really pipelining this, they need five, ten teams. I don't think they have the staffing for that. Right. Well, and if we go with Sean's, you know, two to four percent, we're talking what ten to twenty genuinely mm. anomalous reports a year. Yeah. Like like let, really let's charitably say one really weird report per month. That's yeah. higher than I would have guessed. <laughs> like even with yeah. Sean's like an infinitesimally small. Well, if the volume's high enough, that infinitesimally small is still worth yeah. looking at. Like we're not talking yeah. about one pilot got drunk and saw something. We're talking like once a month at least someone is seeing yeah. something we genuinely can't explain that behaves in weird ways. Yeah, I, so yeah, that's a that's totally like my coworker at one point reminded me. I was like this error shows up one in 10,000 times. He's like, yeah, but that's a hundred thousand times per day, Chuck. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, right. (laughs) Yeah. When you're operating at volume, like our, our brains aren't really calibrated to handle that. Yeah. Uh, so the other thing, uh, Chris Mellon brings up, he says the report states that none of the 291 cases were considered positively attributable to foreign adversaries. This is rather stunning. This consistent hmm. lack of evidence connecting any UAP cases to foreign nations strengthens the ET hypothesis for the small number of unsolved cases involving extreme velocities or morphologies. <laughs> rather stunning. That's a good good <laughs> phrase. Uh, right. It kind of like I wonder if Sean messed up in saying that there's no evidence that they're foreign. Right? Like, it kind of big. feels like he slipped up and said something he shouldn't have, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Maybe it's intentional. I don't know. Yeah. So anyway, new Arrow report dropped. It's a bit yeah. of a dud. It doesn't mention Grush. It doesn't mention any of the big high-profile sightings that we heard about this year. Um, but it did tip its hand and reveal that we are getting, you know, 30 reports per month, as Chuck pointed out, like one report a day. So the volume of yeah. reports is higher than you might otherwise expect. And yeah. not a single one of them was attributable to foreign adversaries. So yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, I, it's not nothing, but uh, if you're looking for the takeaway, I think that's it. Yeah. I'm really curious uh, I want to know if you hear any rumors or or you know, not rumors, good rumors about why April, because I wonder if mm-hmm. all that later stuff was redacted mm-hmm. um, they haven't or if Arrow anything. just wouldn't maybe Arrow wouldn't even consider that part of their job to report on. But yeah, I don't know. It's really weird. It's it's a it seems like a completely arbitrary date. Mm hmm. And, you know, the conspiracy theorist in me goes, well, obviously they cut it off early so they wouldn't have to talk about something for another year. Um, yeah. And, you know, running out the clock is a viable tactic. Uh, it's not one I would hope that the government is using, but maybe. Yeah. Do you think, do you recall whether the previous error report ended in uh, the month before September, August? I don't think it did. Oh, I wonder it, well, if we're no, gonna it see must, like it must have because this you one would said hope. that it started in September, right? But what if they're just only going to report on six months each year? 
Jesus Christ, just a random six months that we chosen. <laughs> yeah, yeah the, I don't know. The I'm other months are, are going to be done by Arrow 2. <laughs> the, the B team. <laughs> yes. Delta shift. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's move on from the uh, arrow report. I feel like all we're doing lately is giving non-passing grades to reports produced by government agencies. Um, yeah. So let's move on to the House of Representatives. <laughs> all right. Um, I, I'm just going to say up front, we are not talking about the Speaker of the House thing. That has been a like back burner topic in the UFO world mm. because, of course, we yeah, had sure. been hearing rumors about how the Speaker of the House was approving or denying certain commissions and, you know, investigations. So there is, of course, a little bit of interest in whether the new Speaker will approve things. It's too early yeah. to say. And frankly, no that idea. kind of like speculating doesn't really serve anyone. So I've got nothing about the new Speaker. Great. Um, what I do have is on Thursday, October 26th. The DOD Inspector General gave a members-only classified briefing. Um, in this case, I found out classified briefing means it happened in a SCIF. Um, okay. SCIF, Sensitive Compartmented Information Facility. We've been talking Thank a you. lot about SCIFs lately, but basically the DOD yeah. IG met with the House Oversight Committee in a SCIF to talk about UAPs, and UFO disclosure material that David Grush presented to the IG. Um, okay. This was to the reported. Yeah, so this was widely reported as they were setting up back-to-back -back interviews. So mm -hmm. there's an interview in a skiff with the DOD IG, and there was an interview in a skiff with the IC IG. And in both cases what was reported and i don't know what was actually planned i only know what people are saying you know when journalists right. call them up and ask is that they were going to be able to look at the david grush files the uap files this was not just going to be a right. generic uap briefing this is going to be specifically targeted towards david grush's claims um so yeah the the meeting with the dod ig just happened and the meeting with the ICIG is happening on November 16th. So okay. they just That's... did one. They're about to do another. So this, um, I mean, this was like the DOD IG was the first, uh, first inspector general that Grush tried to talk to. Right. So they should have like all the correct. things you would think. Okay. Yeah. So the, the kind of timeline here was, um, Grush was, um, <laughs> We, we've had to kind of construct this story ourselves from tips Grush mm. has given, but basically the IG complaint was not actually about stuff being hidden from Congress. It was about the fact that as part of an official task force with authority to look at it, Grush was denied access to these programs. Oh. And in as part of that denial, they were trying to intimidate him revoke his clearances, bring up health issues. Like there was, there were reprisals happening. Okay. Um, he went to the DOD IG to complain about that and further reprisals happened that could only have happened by someone knowing about his whistleblower complaint. 
And that's okay. when he went to the ICIG, the Intelligence Community okay. Inspector General. Um, so do you so think yeah. the DOD IG actually has like all the details? Um, Who the freak knows? Um, also, like, okay. is the DOD IG part of the problem? Like, there's kind yeah, of an implication know. that stuff leaked from their office. That doesn't necessarily mean the DOD IG themselves is a problem. Maybe there's just a yeah. rogue element in their office. Maybe we're hearing everything wrong because we're not there. I don't know. Um, but yeah, so the House Oversight Committee, which is the group that held the UAP hearing recently, set up a meeting in a skiff with both IGs. The first one with the DOD IG just happened. Um, when the representatives emerged from the skiff, a number of reporters were waiting out there to ask them what happened, including okay. our good friend Matt Laszlo of Ask a Poll. Uh, and they said, what did you learn in there? <laughs> I've got a couple of rapid fire quotes here. Okay. Representative Anna Paulina Luna, nothing new, pointless. Representative okay. Timber Chet, absolutely nothing. Representative mm. Stephen Lynch, I did not find it productive. Representative Nancy Mace, this was one of the most worthless classified briefings I have ever attended. Whoa. Wow. <laughs> Those are some rough quotes. Yeah. Now here's the thing. We're used to Brichette complaining yeah. about being stonewalled and accusing everyone of hiding things from him. Totally. And to a lesser extent, Luna and some of the other Republicans kind of buy into this kind of conspiracy minded yeah. approach to the government. But this was like universal. Almost all of them that came out mm. were like, this sucked. <laughs> and for me, that line about one of the most worthless classified briefings I've ever attended, I really like because she wasn't talking about the information. She's talking about the briefing itself and how yeah. bad it was. And that, mm. that gives me some context. Um, Representative Burchett gave a longer quote. He said, you know, we got people on both sides of the aisle in there. My buddy, Jared Moskowitz, uh, AOC was in there. Uh, Luna on our side, uh, General Perry, everyone was in there. It was the right people to be in there. They all left frustrated. Um, Representative Scott Perry had a longer quote. He said, if they have information, they're not going to tell us. They either don't know, or the process by which the information could be made available is so complicated, it's not going to be made available. We can't even find out who is allowed to know. We can't find out if members of Congress are allowed to know, what it takes to hmm. let them know, what citizens are allowed to know. We can't even find that out, let alone the information that might or might not be available or known to anyone. Um <laughs> Dude, all these quotes, like my head was wow. kind of left spinning and I, I want to take a brief moment here. I yeah. have read so much conflicting information on what Congress is allowed to know, ranging from, um, people who are like, yeah, of course, Burchett and Luna wouldn't be allowed to know anything. Like, why would they expect to? up to Burchett and Luna themselves giving statements to the press saying, we have an authorization and clearance to know this. Right. There is, there is a level to which, you know, we always joke about, Hey, you know, I, I'm not a political person. I'm an art major. I'm dumb. I don't know anything, but I want to emphasize like Congress itself 
seems unclear on whether or not they are entitled to this information. And that confusion across all levels of government is really weird to me. Like there was, there was an incident earlier in the year where Burchett was like, this is ridiculous. My thing wasn't put to a vote. And one of his peers came out and said, it wasn't put to a vote because everybody agreed that no one was going to vote on it, including you, Uh, you know, like there was kind of a clear and obvious answer to why this was happening. That's not what we see happening again and again and again. We see members of the House Oversight Committee come out and say, as members of the House Oversight Committee, we have clearances, we have authority to look into this stuff. It's literally our job and we are being stonewalled. Yeah. I don't know, man. I don't know what to make of this anymore. Who is allowed to know anything? (laughs) Yeah. Like, so as I, you know, from the research I was doing a little while ago, it seems like Mm -hmm. Congress has, has clearance to get, um, top secret and, um, uh, compartmentalize information, but mm-hmm, I guess mm-hmm. maybe they don't automatically get that like need to know or mm-hmm. they aren't read in, but you like Scott Perry was a brigadier general. You would think that a one-star general would get at least a few more clearances or I don't know. Right? No, it's, it's so confusing and everything you're saying on its head makes sense, right? The whole point about this is that um these uh these are special access programs our understanding of special access is you have top secret tsci clearance which means you are authorized to receive secret information but a compartmental a a um uh oh god um a special access program, the whole point of it is you have to be on the list to get access mm-hmm. to it. So there's various levels of like waived special access programs, unacknowledged mm-hmm. special access yeah. programs. We're in a whole bunch of things, but at its core, what they all share, that special access program means there's a list and these are the people who are read into the program, who are who have a need right. to know. On that level, it makes perfect sense, right? Oh, okay, there, you know, Congress has basic clearances, but they don't have a need to know. But again, I keep coming back to members of the House Oversight Committee seem to believe that being on the House Oversight Committee itself gives them access to this. And then other people come out and say, no, they don't. And okay, fine. I don't know if they do or they don't, but it seems wild to me that not one or two, but many members of the House Oversight Committee would themselves be confused about what they have access to. Like, not a single one of them came out and went, yeah, that was fair. We didn't have access. We we asked for something, and it, we knew going in we right. weren't going to get it. Like, they were all like, no, we were totally stonewalled. This was absolutely meaningless. I, yeah. I don't know, man. So I don't weird. know what to make of it. Not to mention yeah. that, I mean, this is Grush's whole thing is that it's being illegally hidden from Congress. Right. So <laughs> it plays into the story that Grush tells, which yeah. I don't know if that story is true or not. It makes sense to me, but it seems wild that you would see it so like blatantly here. Like, hey, you know, like yeah. Congress is on to you. They're putting you in a skiff. They're following the rules. They're doing what they're supposed to do. And you still come in and say you can't have access to Well, Okay, well. What even are laws? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I yeah, I, I got. I want to dig into this so much further, but I know we have a right. We we have a podcast to do. We can't just be the <laughs> Chuck Googling Dude, hour. If if you want to come back at some point and like help break this down, I would not be mad about it because I am so confused. And like yeah. I said, it, it's one thing if I am confused, but it's weird to me that Congress is confused. Yeah, serious. Yeah. I what I find myself wondering is if they have uh gotten better response from other uh, special mm-hmm. access programs yeah i don't um, know and i don't even know how i'd begin finding that out um, yeah it's wild um so there was one other notable thing that happened and i've left it to last because it's kind of okay. separate from this so the main thing to know about the dodig briefing is everyone came out and said it was pointless yeah right um there was one exception <laughs> Okay. Representative Eric Burleson, who is standing next to Timber Chet as they're kind of like okay. speaking to the okay. press, says, listen, Tim and I might disagree on what it is, but people are seeing something and what it is and how much money are we spending on this technology. And what concerns me is that what it appears to be is that somebody has discovered something, some advanced form of propulsion or technology that might actually change all of our lives, make it for the better. But clearly it's in an experimental phase or we're experimenting with it. And I want to know to what extent and how much we're spending. Oh, I mean, <laughs> wait, so I thought the skiff was a waste of time, but here we're, we're talking propulsion and new technology. Like, yeah, dude, the internet exploded. Uh, someone got Timber Chet on the phone like an hour later and asked him like, what was up with Burleson's comments? And he's like, no comment. Reddit is tearing apart their body language. They're like, Burleson got kind of red in the face after he said it. And Timber Chet looked kind of tongue tied and they tried to move on. There were rumors that Burleson had called up Matt Laszlo and begged him not to include that information. I wasn't able to verify that, but I want to give you some context for like, okay the internet was like on fire. They're like, holy shit. Like this dude came out and admitted it. Like, I don't think he was supposed to say this. And, you know, Wait, we were so, just joking about Burchett doing this. And now here's someone else, you know, yeah. it looks like he's saying we just heard about advanced propulsion. So is it possible that they were counseled to say that it was a useless skiff? <laughs> I mean, anything's possible, right? Um, so unfortunately, I have to pour a little bit of water on this fire as much fun as it is to imagine that this dude just went rogue and gave the secret that nobody else would give. Um, in a separate interview earlier in the day, he said the following, my worldview of what we're seeing, what we're experiencing is that it's likely us experimental, whether it's from the private sector or being done through a black operation within the department of defense or energy. Hmm. Interesting. So, huh. So do you think he's just trying to avoid like getting lumped in with Burchett saying that it's definitely aliens? I think that's exactly right. I think he's standing next to Burchett. They were just in a UAP briefing. Burchett is going on and on about war pimps and the, you know, the Pentagon's never passed an audit and they've got all these secrets and they just want to make money. Mm. 
And he's trying to explain why he also takes the topic seriously while trying to kind of put a little breathing room between him and Burchett's like, the government's got alien bodies. I believe what he was saying was kind of riffing off of kind of public information that is out there that this may be a secret U.S. program. So he was not saying we were briefed on something. He's saying people are seeing things in the air. I think it is likely a U.S. secret program that is not being properly reported. And I am concerned Mm. about how much money is being spent on us and the fact that they won't talk to the House Oversight Committee about it. Hmm. So, yeah, Yeah. I I think he's coming at it from the same vein of this is a political scandal. (laughs) Yes, the military appears to be hiding something from us. But what I think they're hiding is they're illegally spending money. (laughs) Yeah. I think it's interesting that he's assuming it's the u.s and not china like Mm -hmm. i don't i don't know but it feels like it i sort of doubt the budget necessary to build and test a new aircraft would fit within the within an unacknowledged budget within a black budget Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. earlier i was looking up the the sr-71 budget and uh the cia spent like 683 million Mm -hmm. in in 2021 dollars it was like 13 dollars back then uh but uh um but but i don't know maybe maybe it's possible like in 2012 we heard that the black budget for cia was like 15 billion so Mm -hmm. five percent like maybe that's maybe that's reasonable for some crazy new thing but i will say i totally understand your skepticism about this (laughs) This is one of the drums that Burchett keeps beating. Um, and I haven't talked about it a lot because it's unfortunately um, one of those things where this lines up really neatly with Republican talking points about wasteful government mm. stuff. Um, sure. It is a fact that the Pentagon has failed every financial audit it has taken for oh, yeah, years, sure. every yeah. single time. And the Pentagon's budget is in, I believe it's in the trillions of dollars. And there are literally billions of dollars unaccounted for. The conspiracy theorists will tell you that's all the black ops UFO development budget going on. Mm. Is it really? I, I don't know. Like, I find it completely conceivable that the U.S. military is a huge wasteful organization that is not in the habit of keeping careful track of the dollars they spend because no one has ever held them accountable for it. And it would only serve to reduce their budget. Why would they start now? But you know, there, there is a hole in the budget large enough for a Mack truck to drive through. Okay. Does that necessarily automatically translate to they've got a secret jet program? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Okay. All right. Let's, talk about uh the other big news that dropped this week okay um and this was one of those things where it almost had the potential to blow the ig beating and the arrow report out of the water and be the only thing Hmm. anyone was talking about except we'll talk about it has a frustratingly narrow scope um Hmm. so we've never talked about this man before but uh there is a guy in the ufo community known as Dr. James Lekatsky. Uh, he okay. is a defense intelligence agency scientist. Specifically, he's a rocket scientist. 
Um, And for our purposes, most relevantly, he is the former head of a former uh, UFO program. So you remember we talked about before uh, Arrow, there was the UAP task force. Before that, there was ATIP, which was Lou Elizondo's program. And before that, Mm -hmm. there was OSAP, which was the one that was OSAP. Uh, OSAP was the one that was in the New York Times article that had the big budget from James Reed. They did a bunch of stuff out at Skinwalker Ranch and stuff. The head of that program was Dr. James Lekatsky. So James Lekatsky, serious scientist, DNI, former head of OSAP, uh, recently released a new book called Inside the U.S. Government Covert UFO Program, Initial Revelations. He co-wrote this Mm. with George Knapp, who we've talked about before, legendary UFO journalist out of Las Vegas, uh, who currently has a very good podcast called Weaponized. So (laughs) that was a lot of setup to say. Yeah. uh, James Lukatsky was on Weaponized last week to talk with George Knapp about their new book coming out about the secret UFO. UFO programs in the book is this wild quote at the conclusion of a 2011 meeting in the Capitol building with a U.S. Senator and an agency undersecretary Lekatsky, the only one of this book's authors present posed a question. He stated that the U S was in possession of a craft of unknown origin and had successfully gained access to its interior. Hmm. This craft had a streamlined configuration suitable for aerodynamic flights, but no intakes, exhaust, wings, or control surfaces. In fact, it appeared not to have an engine, fuel tanks, or fuel. Lekatsky asked, what was the purpose of this craft? Was it a life support craft, useful only for atmospheric entry, or what? If it was a spacecraft, how did it operate? (laughs) Wow. Um, Yeah, so, like, we've talked about the U.S. having craft and that they're having trouble reverse engineering. I guess this Mm -hmm. seems like maybe it gives a little more context, but... Mm -hmm. How do you reverse like engineer something with no engine? Yeah, <laughs> right. Well, yeah, and what does it even mean to reverse engineer? Right. But without like wings or flaps or any like, it makes it sound like there's no moving parts at all. Um, together with the the like, I don't know. A couple episodes ago, we talked about uh, the the bodies being like one offs that were maybe only for flying through space or whatever. Right. Like, <laughs> do you think there were doors? Like that'd make, I mean, it... he kind of makes a big deal of the fact that they gained access to the interior. I wouldn't think that right? would be a big deal if it had a door. <laughs> like, I know, right. Oh, wow. Congratulations. You opened the door. Like, yeah. Good job. Glad your crack team was able to solve that one. But yeah, if, if there's no wings or flight surfaces, there's no reason to assume it had doors, but somehow they gained access. Yeah. Anyway, wild. This quote just drops in the middle of the book and they seem to be emphasizing his statement about like, what even is this? Is it a lifeboat? Mm -hmm. Like this doesn't make any sense, but like 
the relevant bit is the context setting. Like we have a craft it, we got access to the interior. It doesn't have wings. It doesn't have engines. Like hold up, like go back, talk more about that, buddy. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Now it is worth noting. uh, We've talked a lot about Dopser on this program, Mm -hmm. a defense department office of pre-publication security review. I think. Um, Wow. Good memory. This is a process that any former DOD employee has to go through if they are going to talk publicly about anything. And when we say talk publicly, like literally you can be writing a children's book. It doesn't matter Mm. if you're going to be talking to the public, you have to go through the government to make sure that what you're saying doesn't violate any national security oaths. Um, Right. So it is worth noting as always that while, um, Likatsky and Knapp emphasized the fact that this book was approved by the government, meaning it went through right. Dopser. That doesn't necessarily mean it's true. It just means the agency right. looked at this and said, this book does not present a security risk. <laughs> right. Yeah. And as we, we talked about, uh, I don't know, last episode or the previous, um, I think Grush was saying that uh, in order to, uh, redact sections mm-hmm. of something that goes through Dopser, uh, an organization has to admit that yeah, it's a they believe something is a risk. Yeah. So and and specifically, they have to say what it violates. So yeah, it's, yeah. it's a big deal. Um, yeah. So okay. yeah, um, when when Grush did it, he, he very much presented it as um, kind of a trap that he painted the Dopser people into. Like, you can deny it, but then you have to say why you're denying it. And then I will fight you mm-hmm. on the legal grounds that you can't deny something that isn't legal, <laughs> you know? Right. Um, so maybe the same kind of thing going on here, but uh, yeah, this book drops. It has this wild, intriguing quote in yeah. it. You know, first public interview Likatsky does, he goes on weaponized with his co-author, George Knapp and you know, George and his co-host Jeremy are are pressing him for more details. And the <laughs> really frustrating, he will not expand on this at all. He's very clear. I will not say anything beyond what Dopser approved me to say. The only thing he would say is what's in the book is an exact statement of the event that occurred in the congressional facility. <laughs> it's like, ah. <laughs> yeah. Do you watch Taskmaster? I don't. Okay, well, I think you would enjoy it. But uh, one of the things that so it's a show where um, the taskmaster, uh, Greg Davies, sets out a series of tasks for a host of uh, comedians who are um, mm-hmm. who are going to do the task. It's usually a pretty mundane task, but they're comedians and they're not very capable human beings. And so <laughs> they generally do it funnily. Um, anyways, there's. There's often cases where uh, Alex, um, like uh, a contestant will ask Alex a question because he's there at all the events. And he'll, uh-huh. and he'll just simply say, all the information is on the task. <laughs> and, oh! uh, yeah. And it's yeah. usually only when they ask a really good question or when they've previously uh, been directed to destroy the piece of paper describing the task. Uh, no, no. Bring it out then. <laughs> Jerks. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah. That's what it feels like. Um, yeah. No, it really does. That's totally fair. Um, I, I find it really interesting. It feels like this builds on what we've already heard from Grush mm. and others. Right. So Grush is like, we have, you know, captured craft. 
and we are trying to reverse engineer them. And then Schellenberger talks to a bunch of people and he's like, we have like a dozen craft and we're reverse engineering it. And now Lukatsky comes out and says, we have this one really weird craft and we gained access to the interior and it didn't have an engine. Like what the hell? Hmm. It, it, it feels like they're doing disclosure, like, like a drip at a time. <laughs> like here, yeah. here you go. Here's one more little morsel. <laughs> and that's like, let's be honest. That's probably how it's always going to be. Um, but I don't know. It, it, can you imagine how it would be otherwise? Like, um, like if if the president just did come out and say, "Yeah, we've got aliens." Like, right. <laughs> like, what what even would happen? Well, and that's the historical line, right? That like that's going to yeah. cause panic. Um, and it's interesting because the UFO community has been really interrogating this belief for a while mm. now. There is a commonly held belief in government that if you tell the public about this, they will freak out. And the, the best answer I've heard to that is basically like, I think the most charitable view I can take on this is they did some studies back in the forties when they yeah, started right. looking into this stuff. And you know, like the, 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 the freaking war of the world's broadcast was recent mm-hmm. memory at the time, right? Like the yeah. idea that the public might panic was a genuine thing. Now with the benefit of hindsight, we know the war of the world's panic was kind of an overblown marketing stunt. Mm, Like there wasn't actually people panicking. There were some people who believed it, but most people understood it was a broadcast. Um, and it feels like this was one of those things that, you know, less charitably that they just accept as a given, like, well, of course people will panic. And the main thing that people in the community are saying now is like, listen, it's a very different world now. Like in the forties, these were new ideas. And also, frankly, we had a much more religious society. We have a much more secular society now. Mm. And everyone in our current generation, boomers on down has been consuming 50 years of mass media about the idea of aliens. We have been well inoculated to the concept of aliens being out there. They might be hostile. They might be friendly. We grew up on star Trek. Um, and, and, and even on the science side, you know, every scientist you talk to who dismisses the UFO phenomenon is very clear to say intelligent life exists somewhere. Somewhere. It's just not coming here. Like that's the line in the sand that they're drawing. (laughs) But like, yeah, you know, the Overton window has shifted to the point where yeah, basically everyone accepts aliens are real. It's just a question of whether they're here. So if the government is continuing to stick by this, people will panic. Either they're yeah. unwilling to re-examine this assumption, which I think is possible, or they know something we don't, which brings us back to the yeah. kind of. Tom DeLonge terrifying truth aspect. Tom DeLonge has been very clear that what he believes is happening is not only are they here, but they've been here since the birth of humanity. And every interaction we have ever had with gods was actually interactions with aliens, which means not only were they here, but they're not just like passive observers. They've been shaping our society. And 
if that's the truth, I can kind of almost understand like, okay, you can't just have the president get up and go, yeah, uh, Zeus was from Alpha Centauri and uh, he's still here. Like, yeah, yeah I, I get it. That that might freak some people out. So in that, re- that respect, I kind of get what you're saying, right? Like a, a slow drip disclosure to acclimate the public, you know, boil the frog kind of thing feels right. like a reasonable approach. But like we have yet to get anything out of this that feels genuinely like panic inducing society shattering bank run you know like like people freaking out kind of level like what was that meme that i shared with you a while ago with that woman like okay yeah the aliens are here like fine i still have to work two jobs like i i I guess yeah (laughs) you know (laughs) we're so broken right now like society is so broken that like maybe it wouldn't matter what i was yeah uh, i guess the thing i was really thinking about is um not necessarily like a panic because i don't think that would happen but i do think that we could like rapidly enter uh an economic downturn or like i don't know mostly i think about the stock market just going absolutely bananas i agree and it it does that at the drop of a hat anyway i know right yeah yeah I mean, you know, I'm poor. I don't have any stocks. Fucking let it burn. (laughs) I don't care. Oh, no, we're going to lose a lot of valuable stock money. (laughs) That's that's a tragedy for rich people, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, you think you don't own stocks, but you do. Uh, Do I? Do I, Chuck? (laughs) I mean, we'll talk more about it afterwards, but yes, it affects you greatly. All right. Well, no, I believe that. I totally yeah. believe that, right? The economy is one big convoluted incestuous thing. I get it. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. It's just hard for me to feel a lot of sympathy for the idea that like, oh no, shareholders are going to lose a lot of value because. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think probably the biggest problem would be uh, the biggest shareholders are the U.S. government, China, yeah, yeah. all the banks. Totally. Um, like that's that's gonna suck yeah i get it i get it and you know let's be honest here like actually you know this kind of leads into our next segment so uh it is officially by the time anybody listens to this one year since we started the podcast i know i kind of got excited and teased that a few episodes ago uh that's because we kind of have two anniversaries we have the anniversary of when I texted Chuck, it was like, yo, let's start this. Let's do this. And then there was like a couple of months later when we finally had enough to <laughs> Chuck uh, upgraded to the new OS. So he was just doing double piece signs and confetti was raining down. It took me that long to remember how to do the confetti thing. <laughs> uh, but, you know, like, so a few months ago was when we first started talking about it. But this is officially the anniversary of we uploaded three episodes the first three episodes yeah. of the podcast on halloween 2022 and here we are hey it's Ooh. halloween 2023 we've been doing this for a freaking year chuck yeah um, it's wild i i got all excited um and i got into my text messages to scroll mm-hmm. back and see if i could find the original messages of when i pitched chuck the show um yeah. mainly just to see like has the way that we talk about it changed at all? Like, what did I have to say to convince you? 
Um, and unfortunately my text messages are set to auto delete after a year. So I was able to get back to like right after we launched the show, but I wasn't able to get all the way back. Thankfully, Chuck came to my rescue. Uh, he, he apparently has a much bigger backlog of texts, uh, but he was able to recover some screenshots. Um, so I've got written down here what we said to each other. So yeah, the initial text that I sent to Chuck was, Hey, I had an idea I can't stop thinking about, so I'm going to put it out here while I ponder details. Would you be interested in doing a podcast with me where I talk to you about UFO and paranormal news and famous cases? I've pondered the idea of doing a podcast with you before, but never had a topic I thought other people would enjoy. I learn best by teaching, and I'm currently absorbing vast quantities of info in this vein. And I think it'd be a fun exercise to try to condense things down to explain topics that we chat about. Yeah, and, uh, which what, what was your I, reaction? I calmly, Chuck? I calmly replied, hell yeah, let's do it. <laughs> it you really of, had, you had to work on me so hard. It was a big, big pitch. It's kind of yeah. funny looking at these texts because it's a lot of really long texts for me and a lot of kind of like short, like, yeah, like, Chuck's enthusiastic, but he was not particularly verbose. <laughs> no, because like I had no idea what you were go- getting at. I just was like, "All right, gonna do a weird project with with my buddy." Sure, fuck it, why right. not? Yeah. Now the the context here was I had been reading up on UFO stuff for a while, and Chuck knew that, and he mm-hmm. had we have a weekly call scheduled on our lunch yeah. where we talk about D and D and stuff. And he had started kind of half jokingly asking me like, what's new in the world of UFOs? And I had been telling mm-hmm. him like, Oh, Anjali just popped up and she did some wild shit. And he's like, Oh man, this is great. Like he was just having fun vicariously yeah. living through the weird stuff with me. And then I come back. I'm like, let's make this a real serious thing. Chuck. <laughs> let's get weird. Chuck. So yeah, it was funny because I, I genuinely didn't know if he would be into it. I, I wasn't sure if I was ready to commit to it. I didn't know how yeah. much work it would be. Um, so I was thrilled that Chuck was in yeah. We've got a couple more texts here. I'll kind of breeze over these. The next yeah, day yeah. I text him back. I say, this idea is burning bright in my head and I am excited yeah. to see if we can make it fun and worth doing in this dynamic. It's less about being entertaining and more about letting me tell you a story and having honest reactions, questions, curiosity, tangents, all welcome your job would be to keep this from being Scott reads a research paper for 30 minutes. <laughs> oh, I don't know if I succeeded at that one. Yeah, we, it uh, took us a while. <laughs> our, our first episode was never released. Uh, I did <laughs> we not did do my job. It. Well, one it, job. It, it took us a while to figure it out. Like we've, we've got yeah, a balance it, now that I think is a lot of fun, but we, yeah. we did not land there instantly. <laughs> <laughs> we sure didn't. Um, so this is the funniest part, I think. So I, a little later I texted him, you know, Annie asked a really insightful question the other night. Do you really want to be the UFO guy? I said, uh, that's a great question, but I'm absolutely ready to be that UFO guy's buddy. So what did you say? <laughs> and I said, after thinking about it, I laughed and said, actually, yeah, because the whole point of this is that the UFO field has been turned on its head in the last few years. And I think most people don't understand it's gone from something unrespectable to something that's acknowledged by the U.S. government and being debated in Congress in very real terms. And once you get UFOs are undeniably real, even though we don't know what they are yet, 
it, it means you look back at the whole field of ufology and go, well, shit, if they're real, how much of this other stuff is too? The, the line must exist somewhere. And right now, no one knows. It's a very exciting time. Hey, that's the catchphrase. <laughs> it, it cracks me up. Like the catchphrase was there, but also basically our whole yeah. intro. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. So what do you think after a year? Are we still, uh, still on point? Still doing the thing we said we were going to? I mean, I'm having a blast. Yeah. I'm, I'm thrilled. I, I love doing this. Um, you know, it's a lot of work to pull the notes together, but I love talking to you about this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, we do constantly joke about how we, we, we were very careful to avoid the word skeptic. We did mm-hmm. not want to say Chuck is skeptical because right. I think you were pretty clear early on. You were more agnostic. Yeah. You, you have a, a bias towards, um, scientific background, yep. which is very skeptical of UFO stuff, but you know, you were open to hearing about, it. and certainly if nothing else, you just liked hearing weird, funny stories, Yeah. but we've been joking a lot about how like over time we've pulled Chuck more and more, oh <laughs> you know, the Overton window has shifted. Yeah, it really to, has. Like, and like, yeah, you know, I said, I was, I was game to be the, the UFO guy's buddy, but I have definitely become the UFO guy now. And uh, like my friends do call me up and ask me what's new in UFO land. Right? No, so, it's great. Um, oh my God, your kitten so is yeah, biting so your to, beard. That is adorable. I know, I know. New kittens are here. Um, so to circle back to, oh, ouch, claws. Oh my God. Okay, <laughs> you're getting down. Kitten is climbing on his um, shoulder, uh, <laughs> claws first. Yeah. Um, so to circle back to what we were talking about, about disclosure, mm. um, this was something I, I did want to kind of touch on in the okay. context of Um, like a year ago, my kind of take on this was a little more skeptical. I, Mm. I believed UFOs were real. I was a little more agnostic on whether or not they might be a secret U.S. project or maybe Mm. an advanced, you know, Russian or Chinese thing. You know, I thought the ET hypothesis was in the running, but it wasn't like the leader and all this stuff about like dimensional stuff and time travel, I thought was a a bridge too far. Um, and I'll, I'll ask you in a second what you think, but I will say for me, I've kind of come hard into, I don't believe this is us. I don't believe this is foreign. I think we are seeing genuinely anomalous things and they may or may not, but you know, where, where my agnostic before was like, maybe U.S. black ops, maybe foreign, maybe alien. I'm now on definitely not U.S. or foreign, uh, maybe alien, maybe time traveler, maybe dimensional. So I've, I've definitely shifted more into that. There's definitely something going on here. Mm. And a big part of that is in the last year, you know, we've had freaking David Grush. We've had um, all these Congress people talking about uh, getting witness reports. We've we've been hearing increasing numbers of whistleblowers and firsthand testimony to the existence of a reverse engineering program that makes no sense unless it is genuinely anomalous in some way. So I've kind of landed on I like I'm I'm all in at this point and I'm curious like what do you think you know when we're talking yeah. about like the president coming out and admitting something like 
if the president was going to come out tomorrow and say it, like, wh- where are you putting your money? Like, what, what, well, what is going on? Yeah. Okay. So, uh, before, before I answer that, when you say all in, are you all into mm-hmm. like the consciousness and telepathy and like how, <laughs> how far all in are you? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, we haven't done those episodes yet. Uh, but yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And the that's way. the stuff. Okay. A year ago, I was a little hesitant to be the UFO guy. I was ready and I kind of knew I would get a little bit of pushback, a little bit of eye rolling from friends and stuff, but I was kind of like, eh, it's fine. I can deal with it. Um, now I'm like totally comfortable being the UFO guy. Like I'll yeah. happily give people recommendations for books. I'll talk about this stuff in public. I'm, I feel about the like consciousness stuff the same way that I felt about UFO stuff a while ago. This is something that I like in my core fully believe i totally believe i'm not quite prepared to like convince someone else Mm. i don't blame anyone else for being skeptical i you know i I, i'm not quite ready to talk about it in depth but like yeah like when we get down to it like we got an episode coming up about the the raw material which is Mm -hmm. channeled material we've got you know this series of books about reincarnation that i'm a big believer in uh leslie kane who wrote um one of the the really good books about UFOs also wrote a book about life after death that has a lot of really fascinating stuff in it. So <laughs> yes, to answer your question, I have slid further along that axis as well, but it's kind of funny that I'm kind of at the same point with that stuff as I was with UFOs like mm-hmm. a year ago. So maybe that's, maybe that's 2024 is uh, yeah, right? Scott being more out Season in public two. about like, it's all consciousness based. You're just yeah. a brain in a jar. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so my, my gut about it is that, uh, like if I were putting money down, I would say there are shenanigans in the government, but when are there not, Mm -hmm. there probably is, uh, several U S like programs, um, that could even be dealing with craft. But I also sort of feel like the the reverse engineering might be a case of gary nolan uh like you get the right expert in there and they're like no this is clearly not special this is just a fancy rock um Mm -hmm. and i i guess i still sort of feel like every year i read science papers that bring me to the conclusion that the universe is so much weirder than i can even possibly imagine it still feels a little mm-hmm. hard for me to believe that it's aliens, but mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, that's fair. Yeah. We'll see. I guess that's what 2024 it is sounds about. like. Yeah. We, we took you from being not quite a skeptic, but definitely like extremely agnostic and like, I don't know, man, like you better show me some evidence yeah. to like, yeah, there's something here. I'm not quite prepared to say it's alien, but like yeah. definitely something's happening. I still think there's, um, there's like, there's something, uh, there's some Hanlon's razor going on here. Like, I really find it hard to believe that, uh, which one's Hanlon's razor? Uh, Occam's is, um, the easiest is probably true. Mm -hmm. Hanlon's is never ascribed to malice that which can be ascribed to incompetence. (laughs) I feel like there's gotta be a special version of that just for government. Like, 
I just oh for sure that thing hard. about the Pentagon failing their audits yeah. and losing money every year. I, I'm yeah. fully prepared to hand lens razor that. <laughs> yeah, there's. I mean, there's also just something about like high level individuals too, like generals and uh, House Oversight Committee. Like, I I don't feel like I can ever trust what they say uh, right. to be what they actually believe. Elon Musk is another great example of this. Um, mm-hmm. Anyways, so I don't know, uh, but I have definitely come along the spectrum of like uh <laughs> thinking it was all bs to now i'm like oh 100 there's some some shit happening in government i don't know what <laughs> uh, yeah but still still not totally there on the aliens no it's yet. true er- early on you were a little more skeptical about even the idea that there were like you know any kind of cover-up or government yeah. conspiracy or secret programs and now right. you're kind of like yeah yeah, they might not be yeah. alien, but <laughs> someone's hiding someone's some, doing shit, some somewhere. shit somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, uh, do you do you want me to pin you to the wall and ask you what you think about consciousness? Uh, what what about Bigfoot? Where are you at with Bigfoot? <laughs> I, um, I yeah, I'm still. To- you can ask me. Like I, I don't believe any of it. Um, I, so the book I'm reading right now is is exposing me to some like concepts of uh like really subtle things that look a lot like telepathy and mm-hmm. um that magicians take advantage of right um yeah absolutely and so it just it makes me wonder if there's mm-hmm. way more to or or possibly way less to brains mm-hmm. than we realize like once we have yeah. super AI, um, like how much will it be able to influence us? We already know magicians can, uh, mm-hmm. like, so the, the, the thing it talked about in the book was, uh, a magician trick where the magician, uh, like shuffles up a deck of cards, uh, shows all the cards to you so you can see it shuffled, then hides the cards and, um, not hides them, but like obscures it so you can't see them. And then, uh, pulls up one card at a time and tells you to sort into two piles of colors. And the mm-hmm. participant always does it perfectly. And mm-hmm. and it, it turns out to be like a really simple trick of like eye movement that we're not even thinking about. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, and you can prime someone into giving you a reaction that right. they're maybe not aware of. Yeah, totally. So, I, yeah. I think... Um, so to tip my hand a little bit, like with regards to like channeled material mm-hmm. and hypnotism and stuff, I 100% don't blame anyone for being skeptical of these fields because they are fields that have been rife with charlatans for years. There are mm-hmm. many, many, many cases of well-documented fraud mm-hmm. in this field. It kind of brings me back to the, the, the arrow report, right? Though, mm-hmm. like, okay, if, one percent of this is real it's still earth shattering it's still a big deal and yeah the challenge becomes where do you personally draw the line because you're never going to be able to find the line and i find it very tricky to buy into the kind of wikipedia view that like it's all complete bullshit there is literally nothing more to the human brain than electricity being fired through me like Mm -hmm. 
I don't know that that seems weird to me, but anyway, we're tipping our hands. These are future episodes. Yeah. Chuck, I cannot thank you enough for coming with me on this journey, man. Uh, I am, I'm having so much fun doing this podcast with you. I'm looking forward to doing our next year. Uh, by five years from now, we're, we're going to be so far down this Overton window. We're going to oh be like gosh, starting yeah. a cult out yeah. in Eastern Oregon somewhere. Oh, my wife always <laughs> tells me that that's what I was meant to do. So, you know, cult leader. Uh huh. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Maybe that'll be our new intro, uh, a podcast by a UFO believer and his cult leader friend. <laughs> yeah. There you go. It's five years from now. Okay. Looking forward to it. Five years from now. That's right. We're 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 putting a a, a mark on the timeline yeah. here. Check in with us. <laughs> okay. Thank you, everyone, for joining us on It's a Very Exciting Time. You can find show notes and more on our website, veryexcitingtime.com, as well as links to our social media accounts. And you can feel free to email us at scott or chuck at veryexcitingtime.com. And if you'd like to support the show, please check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash veryexcitingtime. Chuck, as always, my wife thanks you for listening to me talk about UFOs so she doesn't have to.